0: You're listening to Be Health Connected, a podcast by the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition. Your host for today's episode is Annie Fitzgerald, BHC Director of Member Engagement and Health Solutions. Hello, I'm Annie Fitzgerald and welcome back to the BHC's Be Health Connected podcast. In the United States, chronic diseases take a heavy toll on individuals and businesses. The statistics are staggering. Six in 10 adults have a chronic disease and four in 10 adults have two or more. Conditions such as heart disease, cancer, and diabetes are the leading causes of death and disability in the US. They also account for a whopping 90% of the nation's $4.1 trillion in annual healthcare expenditures, which poses an enormous economic burden on both employers and employees. But what if we can address these conditions through preventative measures, early intervention, and lifestyle changes? Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Dr. David Houghton, the Medical Director of Digital Medicine with Ashner Connected Health, to share insights on how digital solutions can help employers provide personalized support and make well-being a strategic focus for their organization. Dr. Houghton, thank you so much for being here.
1: Andy, thank you for having me.
0: Well, we're so excited for you to join us today. Um, You know, to get us started, I'd love to get your thoughts on you know what some of the most prevalent chronic conditions in the US are and and how they're currently impacting the workplaces that that you're familiar with.
1: Well, thanks for that question. And I think it really does present the burning platform for all of us um, as Americans, as employers, and as physicians to really try to tackle this pandemic of chronic disease. You had mentioned the burden of cost, nearly 90% of the over $4 trillion expenditures goes to taking care of chronic diseases. And most of those chronic diseases in the top 10 are related to heart disease and its surrounding organ impacts. So, hypertension is number one, high cholesterol is number two. In the top five is also diabetes. Um, and then existing heart disease for someone who's had a heart attack it's only arthritis that cracks that top five that's not somehow linked to cardiovascular health and you mentioned that i'm the medical director of, of of the digital arm of of connected health here at Ochsner, um, but i'm also a neurologist and so my. Uh, ordinary day job where I spend about half of my life is taking care of patients, and many of them have had the unfortunate consequences of these chronic diseases, like strokes that I see every day when I'm walking through the hospital. So the the impact on individuals is staggering. The impact on the workplace is similarly staggering. We know that if you have a chronic condition, you're three times more likely to have heart disease and four times more likely to have that stroke. If you have a stroke. Only half of those patients, 50% of them, are able to ever return to work. And the costs for an employer uh, can really add up, particularly recognizing that even if someone hasn't had a stroke or a heart attack, but they're just having poorly managed diabetes, for instance, they miss between five and six days of work per year just for that condition alone. And so for those of us that spend 40 hours or more with our employer per week, it's not surprising how much this impacts us, not just at home, but also at the job.
0: You're you're totally right. And, and it really sounds like, you know, these, these chronic conditions have such an impact on things like absenteeism, presenteeism, um, that employers are seeing on a daily basis, especially now post-COVID when employees might have delayed care. Um, are there any other challenges that employers might face when managing employees with chronic conditions?
1: I think the biggest challenge is perhaps the stigma. Um, People look at chronic diseases, particularly the relationship of obesity behind many of those chronic diseases. In fact, those top five that I mentioned, hypertension, diabetes, even arthritis, all of those are impacted by weight. I think there's a stigma around it that folks um, want to keep their chronic ailments to themselves, and they don't want to necessarily feel like they're in an environment at work where it's shareable. But what I tell our employers is, In fact, there's no better place for for an employee to at least be able to embrace their health care journey. And if we could remove some of the stigma, recognizing that um, healthy eating choices need to be available in the workplace and challenges for physical activity need to be available in the workplace, if we reduce that stigma and we allow uh, an individual to really be able to work, again, where they spend often eight to five and even more every day on themselves, I think that's completely um, appropriate. The second thing that is difficult for employers to deal with is the fragmentation of healthcare. Now, in fact, it's absolutely expected that in an organization, employees will have different primary care doctors and different endocrinologists, cardiologists, orthopedists, But when you're thinking about new solutions, what can we put forward that really levels that fragmentation of the playing field and offer products from an employer that's going to allow some of those chronic diseases to be managed simply and in our circumstance with what we've done at Oxford Health digitally so that it really reaches the patients where they are, not just physically, but where they are in their healthcare journey?
0: Yeah, you know, the the stigma, I think, is a really large piece that you mentioned with you know not only employees feeling that stigma but maybe empl- employers or the managers within employers being you know nervous to to approach Um, employees with chronic conditions and and really understand how to better support them because of that stigma and not wanting to make an individual feel uncomfortable. So I think, you know, a big part of it is just creating that culture of health and, you know, creating, um, you know, an environment in which employees feel supported and not only the employees, but also, you know, their supervisors, their managers feel supported and empowered to actually help those employees. So, you know, I really appreciate you touching on that, that stigma piece. Um, you mentioned digital strategies. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, what kind of um, supportive um, digital strategies employers could utilize in the workplace and how they they might help employees better manage their conditions?
1: Absolutely. So the growth of remote patient management as one piece of the healthcare jigsaw puzzle, I think, is really fascinating. And so recognizing that on the smartphones that we own, the other smart devices like uh, tablets and and laptops that are in our home, even ambient um, devices like watches or pedometers that somebody can wear. There are unique ways that we can transmit data from our own being, from our lifestyle, that really holds a lot of power for for a patient to be self-efficacious and really know that they've begun to have the capacity to reach their own goals. And so those types of digital strategies are upon us. There's lots of third-party companies out there that have weight loss strategies, diabetes and pre-diabetes programs, programs to look at musculoskeletal pain, mental health strategies that became uniquely um, necessary during the, the COVID pandemic and, and recognizing that um, many folks um, need some some unique help there. And I think in a world where all of us no longer just bank, but we online bank. And many of us no longer just go to the grocery store, but we have our groceries delivered, or we shop on Amazon. It's not unreasonable to expect that the power of that consumerism ought to be part of the way that we help take care of ourselves from a medical perspective. And when you start to recognize patients, recognize people, as consumers of their own healthcare, that have more than anyone else more than the employer more than the the government in, in addressing some of these costs themselves to to really be able to help that in fact they will be the ones that help drive their wellness more than anybody
0: and i i imagine when that kind of consumerism comes into play that's where you know these digital solutions, as you said, can have an impact on the fragmentation of care. Can you speak to that a little bit and how, you know, maybe a solution like Oshner is helping to, um, you know, prevent that fragmented care and how, you know, maybe other solutions in, in different spaces might be working towards that and really connecting care. I think for you know some of the employers that we're working with, one of their biggest concerns is, you know, making sure that if an employee is using some kind of digital strategy, they still have some kind of relationship with a primary care provider or somebody who's kind of you know connecting their care. So would love to hear your thoughts on how solutions can really support um, you know, making sure employees are receiving the most connected care they can.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. It you know, Oxford Connected Health is now at the almost the end of a a 10 year journey of appreciating where the traditional healthcare experience really can't keep up with our own expectations for access and ease of communication and high levels of service and transparency and um, ease of use. And so when we built Oxford Digital Medicine as part of that connected health journey, now again, almost 10 years ago, out of Innovation Auctioner, our, our research and development suite um, that we hold here in our institution with um, some of my colleagues, like Dr. Uh, Rich Milani and Amy Cork. The goal from the beginning was, as you suggested, Annie, to decrease fragmentation and create a, a product where we could simplify and make personal the interactions that somebody would have to manage something as specific as high blood pressure or as specific as diabetes. And by putting together programs that utilize health coaches, that utilize clinical pharmacists, APPs like physician assistants and MDs to be available to make medication changes and to do that not just reactively based on what someone is showing on a blood pressure cuff or on a glucometer to measure blood glucose, but proactively In a predictive model, that really is where the power is. And to to take patients who historically have been perceived to be more difficult to control or have complicated medical histories that really require a different model, this has been the promise. And fortunately, that promise has been kept for now more than 30,000 people who have been part of this program over the last several years. And so, whether it's Oxford Digital Medicine with these solutions or others, it's important that we layer this on. We don't interrupt the existing primary care relationships that are so dear and the specialty relationships that are so dear, but function as a, as a high level complementary service or augmentation to those programs. One of the analogies I give is, is myself as a neurologist, as I mentioned earlier. I have patients who come to see me to manage their Parkinson's disease or their Alzheimer's disease, and I communicate what I do for those patients back to their primary care physicians. It's important that when we have a program like ours, that we create an environment where patients feel comfortable working with a team that really does everything it can to function in addition to and with respect for the primary care relationships that already exist.
0: Well, that, like I said, that's, I think that's exactly what employers are currently looking for. They really want employees to to feel connected and feel like they, you know, like you said, have a team surrounding them to support them in their healthcare journey. Um, You know, in addition to this idea of fragmented care, I imagine there are some other barriers to implementing digital solutions um, in the workplace. Can you talk a little bit about how some of those additional barriers can be overcome?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So we talked a little bit about the stigma. We talked a little bit about the fragmentation. You know, a a third one I want to talk about is just the practicality and ease of use. Many of us uh, as digital health consumers can be overrun with all the different options out there. Several years ago, um, my family cut the cord, as many people have done for uh, for getting cable television in the home. And I thought for certain this was going to make things so much simpler. And now I've got... (laughs) probably close to a dozen different streaming services that I've layered on top. I think I'm still saving a few bucks, but I probably need to uh, reassess that as well. But I think patients can similarly uh, be overwhelmed. And we mentioned fragmentation um, in a large uh, employed population that sees different doctors in different environments. You can similarly see fragmentation of digital options. And so I think, you know, employers should, should vet and Think critically about the relationships that that they build, uh, and try to uh, assist uh, a patient uh, to find that really personalized model that's going to be best for them, and that can be done through benefits packages, that can be done through open forums, but if we only swap the fragmentation of the traditional healthcare journey with then a fragmentation of the digital healthcare journey, we probably haven't helped anyone as much as we'd like to. And so uh, really staying hyper-focused on what the, what the patients as employees need, I think is critical. I think the other thing that can help overcome those barriers is if we think about health in the workplace from uh, a top-down perspective that from the leaders as just as important with any other change management initiative. Um, if I look to my right in my office, I have uh, a bookshelf full of, of, of books that have been written by uh, health care professionals, but also business professionals, all of whom are smarter than I am, about change management principles. But I think many of those books don't touch on what we can do from a change management perspective with the individuals who work for us related to their health. And so I think we're we're on the cusp of really considering those types of models as well. So avoid not just fragmentation outside of the workplace with healthcare, but similarly with the digital products and help patients on that journey the same way that you would lead from any other perspective in your organization.
0: Well, first of all, I love the analogy of, you know, cutting the cable cord um, to the, you know, numerous kind of digital point solutions that are available to employers now. I think that's a perfect, perfect analogy. Um, But I I think, you know, what you were mentioning about, you know, ensuring that employees kind of have this personalized support, a large um, portion of that can also be in an employer's communication strategy. So really trying to understand as an employer or as a benefits team within an employer, um, you know, what are all of the solutions, what are all of the programs and partners that we have or who we're partnering with, and how can we best communicate that to employees and really ensure that employees understand what programs might really work work well for them. Would you agree with with that kind of communications arm as being a really you know, strong part of a comprehensive benefit strategy?
1: Annie, that's an excellent point, and, and I 100% agree. In fact, as we have now partnered with employers with strategies available in, in all 50 states and in DC, we know that there is not one size fits all for an employer or the employee. So it's been really important as we come in and and have a chance to have a seat at the table and talk about where Oxford Connected Health Initiatives may be something that they want to offer, that we help them work through what that communication strategy is going to be. And your your point about trying to align those goals, I think, is really important as well. The same way that you want to create that that environment where uh, an individual employee somebody who's you know struggling with a health condition can align their own goals um, with with a with a digital app and a digital team i think the employer needs to work diligently about what their goals are what are some some key indicators of what they're looking for whether it be reduction in the number of of work days missed or whether it be as you suggested in your opening remarks something related to decreasing the cost of care so that communication piece is going to weave itself through all those messages
0: certainly definitely and 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 i think you know even beyond some of the more hard metrics that are out there i think more and more employers are thinking of things like VOI, so value on investment, and really trying to, you know, just put their best foot forward and make sure employees understand that that, that they're supported, um, and so showing some of those qualitative improvements in, you know, quality of life or, you know, um, employee engagement and morale, um, those can have, you know, huge impacts as well in this, this kind of digital solution space for employers. Um, what you know, when we think about the the world of digital solutions and and you know this really, as you mentioned, consumer focused approach to um, benefit solutions, are there any new developments or research in the field that you find particularly promising?
1: That's a great question. i'll I'll answer it in in two ways. And one is sort of on the horizontal and one's on the vertical. So horizontally, if you're thinking of the expanse of what connected health looks like, I think, we are, and many of us in the in the field, are looking at ways that we can find a solution at many steps along an individual's journey with their own health. And so part of that is in the remote patient management wing of, of using different devices, and I'll talk about a couple of those in a minute that are coming forward. But a lot of them still are, are ways that we can support folks with episodic care points, things like e-visits, where an individual is able to Two-way text or communicate asynchronously with healthcare providers based about a specific ask or a or, or a specific ailment, or e-consults where two healthcare providers are able to work closely together and really do it in an organized and valuable fashion. Ways that in in medicine we sometimes talk about the curbside consult, where you know let me phone a friend and see what how they might think about this differently. We can we can actually codify that and make that part of of an expectation for patients to be able to have their physician or or other healthcare provider get a second opinion or a third opinion from another consultant to really add a breadth and depth to the work that they do and of course virtual visits and not asynchronously but synchronous visits um were, were growing in utilization prior to the pandemic and then exploded during covid and so ways that we are not looking back from that, but looking forward and adding in more diagnostic tools. So I really think of that as sort of a flattening of it um, on the horizontal vertically going deeper now into ways that we may take care of a a condition I think is is super interesting, too, and and lots of 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 dollars and effort and brain power is being poured into this uh, across the globe things that we can improve ambient monitoring. Um, the simplest of which would be a pedometer that you don't need to think about, but other ways that, that you can measure somebody's oxygen uh, utilization in their own home or ways that you can help uh, track somebody's blood pressure simply by looking into a phone or 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 wearing a device as opposed to something where episodically you would need to, to put on a blood pressure cuff. That technology is somewhat out there. It's getting better and better. And I think there's other ways then that we might be able to apply ai and machine learning based on that so putting together models for an individual patient on where they are stopping in and coming out on that horizontal healthcare journey but also how deep they are utilizing some of the of the devices out there and the and the data gathering out there if you mash all that together you really are able to create uh, a benefit profile and a risk profile for how somebody is going to do hopefully positively with getting their hypertension, their diabetes, their hyperlipidemia, all of their uh, chronic diseases under control, and, and then ultimately have us cut way down on that 90% spent of a uh, now over $4 trillion bill to this country. And um, so I think we really are, uh, as cliche as it may sound, at the tip of the iceberg, for where the field of digital medicine is going,
0: definitely, definitely, and I think you know, for many of our employers, um, that that they likely maybe have had digital solutions, um, you know, on their benefit plans for years, um, but now, you know, post COVID, are really taking a critical look at the solutions they they're currently offering, um, you know, taking a look at the solutions that are available to them and that they might want to expand or maybe you know replace a previous solution. Um, any parting words or, you know, words of encouragement or words of advice for an employer audience when trying to navigate something like the digital medicine landscape?
1: I think, you know, based on everything we've talked about today, Annie, it, it um, you know, my elevator pitch really drives home the point of reducing fragmentation and increasing simplicity. Um, and while there are those those pitfalls of fragmentation in the digital world that if you really look closely at the opportunities that already are in existence and think of uh of of your of your patients as as part of the family that you really want to keep well and you really want to try to meet them where they are on that healthcare journey there's no better time than now to think differently about it and um employers historically um because of the the way that our healthcare system is set up through means of, of private health care insurance have, they have always been at the forefront of, of either action, but certainly opportunity to, to make people healthier. And I think if anything, this is the call to action to do that. And it has true benefits on the wellness of your, of your population and true financial benefits as well. I would also suggest that for the folks in the audience, every one of us, whether we work in healthcare or we are or, or we're a large employer, we're also patients ourselves and to challenge all of us to really think about this idea of self-efficacy and, and trying to be the one who more than anyone else can take on the responsibility to to go to that next level for our own health and and to um, in some respects, put pressure on employers to to help us uh, change and to help us take care of ourselves and when we do it together, a healthcare institution, a, an employer, uh, a, a insurer, um, and certainly patients themselves, then everybody benefits. And I think this is really the time to do that more than ever before.
0: Well, we'll certainly take that call to action to our employers, and really appreciate your time today, Dr. Houghton, and um, look forward to you know hearing reactions from from our employer members in the community. Um, any um, any last words?
1: I certainly appreciate the time that uh, you you've given me today to talk about something that I hope you can tell I'm quite passionate about, and uh, I really do appreciate the good work um, that BHC does, and so thank you for the time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Be Health Connected podcast. For additional episodes, or to learn more about employer resources available through the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition, please visit www.stlbhc.org.